now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good Sunday morning to you. I'm Ali Bally. This is Scotland's Talking. And coming up on the show today, should a teenager who ran away to join Islamic State be allowed back into Britain? Shamima Begum says she's not the silly little girl who escaped to Syria four years ago. She's nine months pregnant and says she doesn't have any regrets. The security minister says she can expect some tough questions. This is a terrorist group, one of the worst groups ever, and that is the organisation that some people decided they wanted to go out and support or be part of, and that has consequences. So would you let her come home? I'd also like your opinions on the best way of getting drivers to slow down. People living in Motherwell are demanding action on a notorious stretch of road after the tragic death of a 12-year-old girl. It's supposed to be 20 miles an hour here, 20, plenty. If you see a car doing 20, it's a one-off. And why are less than half of Scots who are diagnosed with dementia getting the support packages they're entitled to? In some areas, it's under one in five. Louise will be telling us how it took months to get help for her gran. It is a scary diagnosis. There's a lot of unknown with dementia, so you need all the help and support that you can get. If someone close to you has dementia, tell me what your experience has been. Scotland's talking. If you'd like to join us, here's the phone number 033-2020-401. Scotland's talking. The podcast. Would you let a British teenager who went to join Islamic State in Syria come home? Shamima Begum ran away from her family home in London four years ago when she was 15 and still at school. She's now 19 and nine months pregnant with her third child after the first two died in infancy. The IS fighter she married is in captivity. Now, she was tracked down to a refugee camp by the Times newspaper and told their reporter she's been living a normal life but wants her baby to be looked after in the UK. I actually think about my baby as well. After my two kids died, I just... Now I'm really obsessed with the baby. I'm scared that this baby's going to get sick in this camp. That's why I really want to get back to Britain, because I know it will be taken care of. Do you think this is the end of the caliphate? Yeah, I really do. I don't have high hopes. They're just getting smaller and smaller. And there's so much oppression going, oppression and corruption going on that I don't really think they deserve victory. You said you didn't regret coming to be part of the caliphate. No, I don't regret it. No, she doesn't regret it, she says. But she says she's not the same silly little 15-year-old schoolgirl who ran away from Bethnal Green four years ago. Shamima was living in the city of Raqqa and also spoke in the interview about how she wasn't phased seeing body parts in bins. The Home Secretary has said he will not hesitate to prevent the return of citizens who, he says, are full of hate for our country. The Security Minister Ben Wallace says she knew what she was getting into. British citizens obviously have a right to come back to their country, but of course, as we've always said, that anyone who goes out to fight or support organisations such as ISIS, dreadful, horrendous terrorist organisations, should expect to be investigated, should expect to uh, be uh, interviewed, and should at the very least expect potentially to be prosecuted. That is, that is what we have said could happen, uh, because, you know, let's not 
underplay this. This is a terrorist group, one of the worst groups ever uh, in the world, a terrorist group that butchers thousands of people and has been responsible for the deaths of you know, dozens and dozens of people in the United Kingdom alone in the last few years. Uh, and that is the organisation that some people decided they wanted to go out and support or be part of, and that has consequences. It certainly does, or it should do. So what would you do if you were in the situation of being able to say yes or no, you can come back to this country or you cannot come back to this country? Um, there are reading and, and listening to the, the government this week, some saying, well, she, we can't really stop her coming home if this is her home. But, you know, she went out to fight against us. Should we just, as some people I've been reading, saying, just withdraw her passport. She shouldn't be allowed to travel. And, you know, yes, it's a shame for her child, but she can't have the good bits and the bit you can't pick and choose which parts you want to live. What, what are your thoughts on it? treble three twenty twenty four zero one is the number. OK, let's go with John first of all. John, good morning. Good morning, Nally. How are you this morning? Okay? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, yes. This silly little girl, I mean, she's been here for four years. She's had three, it's her third child. She's across here just for a, for a prostitute for these guys to have children to become terrorists. Who would want to, to, to stay there? I mean, I think she should stay there and learn a lesson because the other, other girls that want to think to go there, to learn them what the story is and not to go there because, I mean, these people across here, I mean, I was in the army across here, I was in the army in the Middle East. And these people have no morals at all. How do you think it on and let behave like they do? There's no end to it. There's no, they're not civilised or whatever. But you, you, you're, saying, you're saying she should, be, she should stay there and yes. be, a, be a lesson to others. Do you yes. know, she may have learned the lesson herself, and that's why uh, she wants I to know, come home. Ali, Ali, if she learned the lesson, let her stay there. Because what she want to come back in for? It's getting too hard for her now. Maybe, maybe that is the case. Maybe that's the lesson that she's learned that she was better off where she was at home in the UK. No, no, she should she, she stay where she is and be a lesson to other young girls. Because I mean, going across to their countries, there's no morals or standards whatsoever. She should have when she was here. She must have been indoctrinated and here to go and learn all about it. She didn't didn't make her mind it to go. If these people here tell her all about it and tell her, and if she comes back here again, she could be indoctrinating other people to go and fight these terrorists. They're all terrorists, are Terrible. So, I mean, you know what? Enough terrorists here and we keep giving them back and her learn, sort of, come across and giving her a little propaganda that she learned across here. And so she's just doing it for her own sake to become publicity for us. And her child, the poor child, I feel sorry for the poor child. But she had the option to, so, to go with these guys. These guys are all terrorists. Unbelievable she would come back. OK, thank you very much indeed. There's John with her first call today and his thoughts that she shouldn't be allowed to come back. We're joined now by uh, MSP Ross Greer. Ross, good morning to you. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good. All right, what's your take on this then? So... For me, this isn't really about what she wants. Mm-hmm. Like everyone else, I was totally disturbed by that Times interview. It's just one interview we're going on, and we have to remember that she was 15, she was a child, and she was groomed when this happened. But the lack of any repentance at all is disturbing, and to me it would indicate that she's still a threat. But she's the UK's responsibility. There are two things that are really important here. 
The first is that baby. That baby is born to a British citizen, and by her uh, account, uh, the father is a dead Dutch citizen. That baby is our responsibility. That baby's done nothing wrong. We have a duty of care to it, and I'm quite sure her parents, who are disgusted and revolted by what she's done, would want that baby to come back here so that they could pay uh, care for it. But the second thing uh, is about the threat that she and everyone like her poses in northern Syria. Our allies there, the democratic forces in the north, have died by the thousands to defeat ISIS on our behalf, on behalf of everyone else. And they have been absolutely clear. They cannot cope with these people. They don't have a court system to put these people through. They don't have prisons to put them in. There are hundreds and thousands of former ISIS fighters and supporters who are now in refugee camps in liberated towns and villages across the north of Syria. These people are already reforming their networks. And every major Western general, British, American, French, involved in this conflict has been completely clear that if we allow this to stay as it is in six months to a year, the war will start again. We are two or three days off defeating the caliphate, but in six months to a year, it could easily be back unless we remove these people from that conflict zone. This is a UK citizen. If it was the other way around, if it was Syrian citizens who had done something in the UK, I'm quite sure thousands of people would be demanding that they are deported and that the Syrians take responsibility for them. But the reality is the people in the north of Syria who on our behalf have died by the thousands to defeat ISIS cannot cope with these former fighters, these former supporters who are there, they pose a huge threat. If we all take responsibility for those who are our citizens, the UK citizens, the French citizens, the Americans, the Russians, etc., then we can neutralise this threat because these people pose far more of a threat to us if they are allowed to stay in the north of Syria where they will reform their networks. We have a responsibility here to protect the world from people like her. And what type of threat do you think she would be if she was coming home would you just allow her to come home and get back into the family and just carry on or or, or would you say that she should be put on trial or what should what should happen should are you saying she should just be left to come back and, and that's it no no not at all again it's very hard to tell on the basis of just one times mm. interview but seems to indicate that she's still potentially quite likely to be a threat in some way now Regardless of whether or not she ends up being a threat, which I think is likely, if she came back, she would be detained and she would be interviewed by the security services who would have to make a decision about whether or not she's a threat. I think, and I'm not a lawyer, but I think there's a high likelihood of her being prosecuted for uh, her support for uh, what is a prescribed international terrorist organisation. If she is still a threat, then she needs to be uh, detained on that basis as well. This is not about uh, what she wants. This is not about letting her come back here to just get on with her life as if nothing happened. Something did happen. Something serious, something disastrous, something revolting did happen. But she was a UK citizen when she did it, and she's a UK citizen now. We have a responsibility to protect our own people. We have a responsibility to the people of northern Syria as well, because it was British citizens who went out there. It was American citizens, it was French citizens who went out there to join the to terrorise and murder and execute these people. It's not just about keeping here, uh, people in, here in the UK safe, it's about keeping the whole world safe from these people. The best thing that we can do to protect British citizens, the best thing we can do to protect the people of Northern Syria, is to take these people back to the countries that they came from, 
prosecute them properly if required, have the security services on top of them and make sure that they're not a threat. Because if we leave them in northern Syria, every intelligence report says exactly the same thing. They are a threat. Their networks are already reforming. The bombings have started again, the executions, the assassinations. We will be back at war in six months to a year because we've not taken responsibility for these people. And like it or not, they are our responsibility if they're British citizens. And do you think, for, I know, take what you're saying just from that small interview with the, with the Times, but from that, do you think um, that she herself thinks that she might be able to come back to the UK and, and just get on with leading a normal life? Or will she maybe ex- expect some criminal prosecutions? It's very hard to tell, but the one humanising aspect of that interview was uh, clearly one of her major motivations was protecting her baby, which Mm -hmm. is completely understandable. And we would all agree that baby deserves none of this. That baby should be protected. Her previous two children had died. It's unfortunately far more likely that this baby would die if she stays where she is than if it's brought back here. The British government uh, has a responsibility to that baby, as well as the Dutch government, if it turns out that the father is is Dutch. Um, it's impossible to tell what her motivations are until our security services are able to interview her, until they're able to, I don't want to use the word interrogation, until they're able to interview her and assess exactly what threat she poses, exactly what she has done over these last four years, what she still does or does not believe. Because we need to remember, she was 15 and she was groomed when this happened. If this had been a 15-year-old girl who'd been groomed into sexual exploitation, for example, we would view it very differently. And that is not to, for a second, excuse what has happened. But we simply don't know nearly enough about it. And it is irresponsible for us to just simply say she's no longer our responsibility. Because if we say that about all of them, the war will start again, and it would be naive to think that that war won't come here. Interesting viewpoint. I know you're pushed for time, but thank you very much indeed for joining us, Ross. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much indeed. So there's the views of Ross Greer, uh, MSP, Member of the Scottish Parliament for West Scotland, Scottish Green Party. Do you agree or do you disagree with his views? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. bring her back and, and um, uh, interview her and take it from there is Ross's thoughts. Our first caller uh, is saying, no, don't bring her back at all. Joseph, hello. and Good morning, Ali. Good morning to you. Uh, well, I think he's totally wrong, Ali. That, that woman had no regrets standing doing an interview, not a tear in her eye, Ali. And she is a born terrorist, as far as I'm concerned. She had four years of terrorism. Babies and families were killed over there. Did she, did she cry about it? No. It's because now she, the, the terrorists are getting defeated She's moving on, to, so he's settled herself away from him, but, but she's still got the terrorists in her alley. And she's talking about heads and bins and all that. How can she say she can be radicalised, Alan? She's talking about that without a tear. And the baby, it's nothing to do with Britain. It's, her husband was Dutch, so the Dutch authorities actually should be taking care of her in the first place in the baby. Not Britain. We had a soft touch over here, Alan. And then people like him talking, would he like it when, if they were to come over here and kill all the babies and, and mothers? I don't think so. So don't... I wouldn't like this him to speak up for me, represent me, and he wants these people radicalised. Do you not take any point at all that the Ross was making there, and the fact that you know if we leave her there, then you know the whole and and, and others because there will be others um, that and Ross's point is that they will just be gathering again and will be fighting uh, uh, against. Uh, Ali, Ali, there are terrorists all over the world. 
<laughs> I mean, there, there, there wars going on every day of the week, Harry. Don't just speak to one country. There's wars going on. Families, full families are getting killed every week. And uh, uh, aid in, in all the places, uh, thing, in all African countries. Don't pick on the one country. She's a terrorist, and a terrorist must not really come back here to live her life in luxury again. And you don't accept the 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 argument that she was 15 and um, was was groomed for this then? Uh, well, as, uh, it was on about sex exploitation, Ali. Terrorist and sex exploitation is two different things. That's a, a totally different thing. Sex exploitation is done in this country. She went over there and she she had four years of terrorism in her body now. And she can't be changed, Ali. And all this thing, leave it to the, the, the security forces. MPs, stay with it. Security forces, the first people that should, should look into her. You know what I mean? And the baby, don't use the baby in the excuse, Ali. It's a Dutch, a Dutch father. He got killed, and she was there, and she's seen all these families all get blew up, their heads taken off, kids mutilated. So she is not just a wee stupid lassie anymore. A full-grown woman, Ali, as far as I'm concerned. Joseph, thank you. Uh, Michelle, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Good morning, um, Michelle. Your view? I don't think she should be allowed back in the country. She wasn't given a flying hoo-ha about the two sisters that died, or two babies that died. Um, she's working back to the UK. One, she's got to get benefits for that win. Two, but how do we know that she's not going to try and recruit other people? Mm-hmm. And granted, okay, she's 19 now. She was a silly wee girl at 15, but there was not one tear in her eye to come back to the UK, oh, my life is absolute pants. There was nothing like that. And to me, she just went back to the UK to sign up other dasties to follow her, and she did see in the news, oh, it's all quieting down now, they've, they've not got enough people. So, but we let her back into the UK and let her sign up other 15-year-olds. And you think that's what she could be? Even if she was to come back into the UK, though, Michelle, and the security forces were to interview her, and uh, as possibly um, uh, Ross Greer was saying there, she might be possibly prosecuted, um, is that not the way to handle it? And, and, you know, rather than... I don't think she's going to come back to an easy live-off-the-benefit system that you seem to be suggesting. Well, why did she want to come back to the UK? Like she's been away for four years. Mm-hmm. Our two sisters, she's never even mentioned the two sisters that died. The two babies that died. The two babies, her babies, they weren't her sisters. Yeah, but no, she's two sisters as well. She took heart in the two sisters. sisters. Right, okay. Right, the sisters have died. And it's just her. Not, not one tear in her eye. So she's working back to the UK because she's going to milk the benefit system like most of the foreigners do. And... What's the possibility she's going to recruit other people? Like, okay, well, she's going to come back to the UK and they're, well, if she comes back, they're going to question her. Mm-hmm. What's she going to say? I was 15, I was dumb, stupid, a wee daft lassie, I'm new, 19, and I've learnt my lesson. No, she's not learnt her lesson. Okay, Michelle, thank you. Uh, John, good morning. Uh, very good morning, Ali. No, she should not come back to the UK. Uh, I think myself, jihadists, the situation is uh, described earlier. There's the extremists. They would strap a bomb against their body and blow themselves up. A plane or anyone close to them. No, she should not be allowed back in UK alley. 
Okay, well, that seems so far to be the view um, that she shouldn't, apart from MSP Ross Greer, who gave his thoughts as to why she should be allowed back in. What are your thoughts? Here's the ways you can contact us, 0333 That's the phone number. You can also text in uh, if you wish, but, uh, you know, come on and have your say. The text number is 61054. Uh, start your message with Ali. You can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And it's hashtag Scotland's Talking if you're tweeting. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Uh, quite a few comments coming in on social media. Uh, let me just see. Here's one from Sandra. She says she shows no regret or remorse and should not be allowed back in the country. Uh, Christine says no, not be back allowed in. Definitely not. Uh, Zane just says nope. Anthony says can't see any legal reason why she shouldn't be allowed back in the country. Um, there may be some thinking other reasons, but legally he can see no reason for her not being allowed in. Um, Patrick says, this girl should not be allowed back in this country. She's a danger to life. Uh, she will be in contact. She will be a contact here for all the IS terrorists. So they will have somewhere to hide. She's not worked in this country. She'll get benefits, free maternity treatment, uh, and can, can then teach other house, others how to be terrorists. She, she chose what she wanted and now she has to live with that. She is part of a terrorist organisation and always will be. They murder people, so keep her out. Her passport will be out of date and should not be renewed. Patrick? OK, thanks for that view. Um, you know, I, I do throw another side of it. You're saying she'd made, she made her decision that was when she was 15, four years ago. Um, how long do we then say, you know, is, is it never? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It seems a very... No, absolutely not decision there. Here's another one that comes in from uh, another Sandra. There's no way she'll be allowed back into UK society. For a 19-year-old to say that she wasn't phased by seeing heads in a bin speaks volumes. She made her decision. She needs to live with the consequences. She is a huge threat. Revoke her passport. If her family are that concerned, let them go to Syria. If she comes back... She should go straight to secure prison with no access to allow her to radicalise others. Sandra, thank you for that. Uh, let's go to Ian and Pennycook. Ian, good morning. How are you? Fine, Ali. I'm fine. I'm fine. Good. You... Ali, one of the, one of, in, in your intro there, Ali, to, to the start of the show, you said the, the Times tracked her down. Now, Ali, if the Times had not tracked her down, it might have all been sort of maybe forgotten about kind of thing. Surely we can maybe blame the Times for this. The Times should maybe put any bill whatsoever. Are the Times to blame? Because, I mean, she maybe never had any thoughts on coming to the UK in the first place, coming back to have her kid. And and the Times are maybe, the Times are making her a celebrity. Ali, every time, I mean, this is, it's catching up with Brexit, I've got to admit. But every time you're putting the tele on, every time you're getting the news on, she's headlines. Ali, if she comes back to Britain, she'll be a celebrity. And if she, she could decide to have the kid here, then she wants to go back to Syria again. Well, she'll just be allowed to come back and forth every time she has a kid, every other year. Mm, if the Times hadn't found her, as you say, and did that interview with her, how would you have felt if she tried to get back into the country without us even knowing about it? 
Surely, surely the Times were doing their job. It might not have even come to her mind to come back to the UK. Oh, Maybe I'm she sure. Come on. No. She's, she, 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 she said she wasn't happy to... Um, you know, she's lost two children, so she doesn't want to lose a third one. So that was on her mind, was to come back home, surely. Well, but the other thing, Alice, she should have got herself in the situation that she was she was got to fall pregnant in the first place. If she was unsure about the, the medical facilities out there. I'm sure you, you, you've probably found out that she didn't just get the situ- herself in the situation, you know. It's, it's... Well, she might have been forced, Ali, you never know. OK, thank you very much, indeed, Ian, Ali, for that. You. Thanks, Ian, that's what it's all about. The programme's all about opinions. Uh, looking for yours. Morning, Ali. Here's another one here. I think we should show compassion and let her come home. But I fear she and her family may be targeted if she does. And that's from Bill. Bill, thank you for that. Let's go to Dumfries and William. Hi, William. Hello, Ollie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. What's your thought on this then? Ollie, I'm disgusted with the whole thing, big man. You think, oh, the countrymen that died fighting for wars to help this nation become a great Britain, the Commonwealth. And this lady should be allowed back in, Ollie, under no circumstances. I hate compassion for her children, but under no circumstances, Ollie. What about the? I, I go back to I, I don't know if you heard earlier, uh, MSP Ross Greer with his thoughts that if if we leave them there, and she's not going to be the first, she's not going to be the last, um, or she may be the first, but she won't be the last. Um, the if we leave them there, then you know the, there is this, and even President Trump this morning is saying to to countries like ours. Take take these people back, get them out of Syria, prosecute them if that's what you want to do, but don't leave them there because they they could start the uprising again. And Ross oh, and Ross made the point that we have a duty to to the country to to at least move these people out. What about all the duty that we have to our war dead, Ollie? Mm-hmm. The British soldiers that comes home crippled, they don't get any benefits. They live in poverty. They live in the help of charity of people on the streets. You think we should be charitable to this woman? Bring her back, use her NHS, get all the disabilities and everything for her children. Ali, this country's gone all wrong, boy. It's all wrong. It's just no right, that Ali. I just, I, I feel that she's a traitor to our country. Mm-hmm. And I you, really you just all. wouldn't let her back at all, even to to interview her and, t- and possible uh, prosecutions. You would say no to that, just don't let her in. Well, I'll tell you what, Ali, if we bring her in, we send her to Donald Trump and put her into Guantanamo Bay because she is a traitor, Ali. There is a lot of brave soldiers who's lost their lives over this, Ali. It's a disgusting situation for, for a British MP to be fighting for that lady. I think he is a disgusting animal. OK, William, thank you very much indeed. That's it. That's your opinion. Keep them coming in. That number again is 033-2020-401. A very good morning to Alan. Alan McClellan said the young girl made her choice. We all have choices to make in life. She made the wrong one. Let her live with it. Thank you for that. An anonymous one says, uh, one, leave the country. Two, join a terrorist organisation that have done damage to the UK. Three, come back to the UK for support. Oh, my goodness. What next? Let's donate to the terrorists. You've got to have a laugh. It's a complete joke. There's others like us 
knocking your pan and paying tax for this. Thank you. You've got it off your chest. That's the main thing. Here's one in from uh, David. And David says, this potential spy terrorist really in waiting. She should have her baby where she made her bed. Her spouse was actively engaged in fighting the British Army and she now wants a British taxpayer to foot the bill for her child and protection issues. Enough is enough. We are far too soft and we need to say no. David, thank you. Thomas, good morning. Good morning. Thomas, your thoughts then? What should happen is she should have her child where she is and it's not a national citizen in Britain. Then they should deport her back to Britain, go to prison and take her bairn where. And that is it. Because all she'll do, that child will be brainwashed by what she's done and then both of them will be a threat to every British citizen because that's exactly what will happen. I've got five grandchildren. Now, if we let people like that into this country and let that bairn be declared a British citizen, what threat will they do to my grandchildren and thousands and thousands of other people in this country? We can't even get... Who says in Edinburgh, Scotland, Britain, because of the amount of immigrants that's in this country, and yet we've stayed here all our life, our families children, grandchildren, and we can't even get a house because of this. But that is national security. Terrorism waiting to happen. Well, that's what um, MSP Ross Greer was saying earlier on. He he was saying, you know, that she should be brought to this country and she should be allowed back in um, for the, the... future of her child and herself, but also interviewed by the security forces and possibly, uh, as he says, he can't, you know, say definitely, but possibly be prosecuted for, for crimes against the UK. Uh, Thomas, thank you. Alec, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And your thought on this then? Absolutely no way back. Right, OK. Why? And Well, she, for one, she's made a choice. And if... You know, i seen an animal's head in a bucket, let alone a human. It was sickening me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but not just that. Is the uh, government willing to give her a new identity? Because where is she going to stay? There, would be, so, there would be problems for her and her family, wouldn't there? Well, no one wants her to live next door to them. I wouldn't. No. Uh, would the MSP that was on, would he want her to live next door to him? I don't think so. I just wonder if she thinks after four years of being away doing what she's doing, does she, is she really that naive that she thinks she can just come back and slip into family life? Yeah, I, think, I don't think she's naive. I think she's manipulating. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think this is all just part of the plan. Get one back, get them all back. OK, Alex, thank you. Um, only cutting you off there because we're pushing against the clock to the news at the top of the hour. We'll keep the subject going, so don't worry. Uh, let's go to Ina next. Hello, Ina. Morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm fine, thanks. Good, good, good. Uh, I was just saying to your colleague, um, I read in the paper, 
and I didn't pluck it out there, <laughs> that um, the security forces here have warned the the British government that uh, we're getting back into their countries of origin. Uh, these ISIS ladies, um, because ISIS are deemed to be in a bit of a, a pickle, uh, if you could put it like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sending their uh, female uh, warriors kind of a thing into their countries of origin to create um, anything, you know, something that they deem to... So you, you know, think, you, from from reading that, then you think she would be a threat if she came back here? Well, as I said to your colleague, we're reading the same article, we've already got 360 that have come back that we've never heard, I've never, uh, that, that was news to me, um, and, you know, we've never heard anything about them. So, obviously, there is other ones that have been prosecuted and they're in jail for about five or ten years. Um, so, I think uh, uh, they, the security forces are warning the mm-hmm. British government. I think uh, the British government need to set up, you know, they keep talking about an obligation. Uh, they have an obligation to this uh, lady and I say to my friends, the obligation the British government have is to every hard-working British man and woman that's out day and daily doing their work, living by the law of the land, that's the only obligation that the government have. And that's how I feel, Ali. And she should never be allowed any of them back. Once they're out, they're out. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Ina. Joanne will come to you right after the news. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Uh, on Scotland's Talking, so far this morning, I've been asking a question Would you let a British teenager who went to join the Islamic State in Syria, would you allow her to come home? Uh, we've just been reading uh, a statement on Twitter. Uh, it was published on Twitter um, this morning. It's a statement from uh, the girl's family. And she says they have been, or the statement says that they have been told that uh, the baby has been born and both mother and child are well. They're still trying to verify that. But that's uh, what the, the family have been told and they put on Twitter at the moment. So that would mean that the baby would not be a British citizen, would it? Or am I wrong? Uh, your comments, as always, 0333 Social media, very busy as well. We'll get to some of them. But first of all, I did promise to speak to Joanne. Hello, Joanne. Good morning. Oh, hi, Ali. Your thoughts then, Joanne? Yeah, um, there's a few. Uh, she might have got pregnant on purpose, with the sole purpose of coming back here for whatever reason. Right. But uh, if she returns and is interviewed, then released, she will be on benefits. She'll probably get housing, etc., which is totally unfair to people who have always lived here and worked and are struggling. Uh, because would you give her a job? Or would you let her live in your area? Because I don't think I would. Would you want her living next door to you? No, no definitely no. not. I would do everything in my power to uh, get rid of her. Right. Um, so you've no sympathy at all with her, John, have you? No, none whatsoever. And because you've just said that she's had the baby, yep. then if she is returned and interviewed, then let her family, who are so keen to look after the baby, hand the baby over to family and send her back. That would be my... Um, you would separate the mother and child? Yeah. Yeah, because she's not got to be much good as a mother anyway, is she really? 
another family are so keen uh, to look after it, then let them look after the baby and send her back. You know, from all the calls, including yourself, Joanne, there's there's just no sympathy coming down on her side at all, is there? No. Do you have sympathy? None at all. Me personally, no. No, I, I wouldn't even I'd take away her passport. You know, she can stay there. Yeah. She decided what to do. That's what she wanted. A 15-year-old does know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. I was engaged at 15, married at 16, you know. I knew what I was doing. Right. I wasn't a baby. So engaged yeah. engaged at fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> Madly. In Sorry, love. I was going <laughs> to you off your head. <laughs> it was the love of my life. All oh, right, right. So. And he's still married. He was killed at work. Oh dear. I uh, would be married for ten years, and he was killed at work, unfortunately, in an accident. So. Right. Well, you see, then at that stage, you think the the time you spent together was really meant, wasn't it? Whether it was early, yeah. young age or not, you were meant to be together for that short time. Exactly. Right. Well, thank you very much, indeed, John, for your views. Thank um, you. Can I, I, I just say you've got the best radio station? I love it. I love the music you play. Fantastic. Thank you very much, indeed. That is most appreciated. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 bye. Bye. That's nice. Uh, John, hello. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, John. Right. Your thoughts, please. Well, I am flabbergasted with all this. I just can't comprehend it at all. And the way that I'm looking at it, Ali, is see if we were during the Second World War and a family's child had decided to go to Germany and sit with the Germans and be with the Germans and do the thing with the Germans, and then halfway through the war decided, nah, this is it for me, I'm having a kid. I want to go back to Britain. Would we let them back? Or would we have them in a blooming camp somewhere? We are kidding ourselves on, and this is a, an ex- this is something that everybody will be looking at. There'll be people in that camp sitting saying, what's going to happen here? Are we going to do the same thing? Open the floodgates, come into daft Britain, let them pay for it. She had, there's people on this morning saying she has rights, she has no rights. And another question that I would like somebody to answer is, if this child was only 15 years of age when she went abroad to this country, why didn't the family report her missing? Why did, she was only 15 years of age. If I had a kid at 15 years of age said they wanted to go to Syria, he got a slap around the lug and tell sent to his room. So there's a lot of more questions to be asked than just what's going on. And this being pregnant and I've already lost two kids, you made your bed, you lie in it. Under no circumstances should she be allowed even... But, and if she is getting back into the country, throw her in jail. Take your kid off her and throw her in jail. You're a war criminal. You're treated just the same. I hear Ali that she, she commented on people getting beheaded and their heads lying in the bin and it was just... Too bad, so sad. What can a human being is mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, we've got to think about the big picture here, Ali. But are, see, if you are going to bring her back in and give her benefit and all the rest, why don't we go to ISIS and say, look, they're a donation for to kill our soldiers. They're a donation. Have that money and fucking do them in. She's sorry. 
Okay, John, thank you for that. You've made your points quite clear there, and we'll continue talking about the subject. If you you have a comment and you haven't got through yet, then uh, uh, do give us a call. Let us know, or indeed get in touch in the various ways you can do that. Uh, Phone number 033-2020-401. You can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. Uh, Email... Ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. We're on Twitter as well, continuing the conversation. Hashtag Scotland's Talking. Even my Facebook is alive at the moment with all the comments. Ali Bally Show. So uh, keep those coming in. I would like to get to uh, talking about another subject. But as I say, if, that, if you want to continue talking about this, then that's fine. But uh, just moving on to, to a subject we're going to talk about, and that's dementia. The chances are we all know of someone who has dementia. It's estimated there are 90,000 Scots living with the condition. But what sort of support is there out there for families? Today, I would like to hear your experiences. Everyone who gets a diagnosis of dementia in Scotland is supposed to be referred automatically for a 12-month package of supports. But the government's own figures show less than half are getting that. Now, the situation, has to be said, varies across the country. For instance, in Lanarkshire, the referral rate is at 61%. And it's not far behind in Dumfries and Galloway, Fife or Greater Glasgow and Clyde. In Ayrshire and Arundel, it's 35%. And in Grampian, just 18%. So fewer than one in five are getting what they're entitled to. Our North of Scotland correspondent Brian Rutherford has been speaking to Louise Douglas from Kincorth about what happened when her grandmother was diagnosed. She told him she was forced to ring around and wait months for help that's never fully arrived. It's certainly not something that we were offered. Um, I guess we have elements of it in place now, but we had to go looking for it. It's quite a serious, scary diagnosis. Um, and to just be given it and left is quite scary. So this is what NHS Grampian is saying. It says, while we do encourage patients and their families to take advantage of this support, uh, we must respect their decision if they choose not to take it. So the suggestion from the health board is that they are offering in every case, but that people aren't taking it up. What would you say in response to that? Um, certainly from my experience with it, it wasn't something that we would offer it. So it sounds like you might have been getting bits of this 12-month package, but certainly not offered to you, but only because you've pursued it and you've been pretty persistent, I think. Yeah, and I think that's the worrying thing, that had my grandmother not had, you know, family around her that, you know, are maybe a bit switched on and know what questions to ask. And at points, I was just desperate um, that I just thought, oh, I'll just call whoever I can call and hopefully somebody will have an answer for me and that's how we got it, but... My concern is what happens to the patients who have various forms of dementia that don't have family or people around them that can ask those questions. What happens to them? Having found out about what we should have been offered, it's an incredible thing to be offered and we 100% would have taken it up because it is a scary diagnosis. There's a lot of unknown with dementia, so you need all the help and support that you can get. They would want to be able to offer it, but they're not in a position. They don't have enough manpower. Um, I think a lot of the time they fight a losing battle. They're pushed to the limits. They don't have the hours. They don't have the manpower. Um, And if they did, 
this would be an incredible thing to offer, but at the moment it's fallen short of what they say they're offering, certainly in our case. I've never looked after anyone with Alzheimer's or dementia before, and I just want some reassurance that I'm doing the right thing by my grandmother, and sometimes that's the thing that I doubt. Louise Douglas talking there to our North of Scotland correspondent Brian Rutherford. Aberdeen City Health and Social Care Partnership says everyone with dementia will have different needs, so the support packages vary according to the patient's wishes. We also asked the Minister for Mental Health, Claire Hockey, for a statement. This is what it said. Over the last decade, dementia services have been modernised, supported by our world's leading work on post-diagnostic support, but we recognise that there is more to do to support local partnerships to extend access to this service. Life expectancy in Scotland is at a record high and our growing and ageing population makes dementia more common. Many people are diagnosed into very old age with other chronic or terminal conditions and for some their dementia support, including in residential care, will be given as an addition to existing care packages and not reflected in the post-diagnostic figures. We are currently testing the relocation of dementia post-diagnostic support in primary care and we've also recently commissioned new work to examine the delivery of the service for people with a high level of additional care and support needs. The statement we were given from the Minister for Mental Health, Claire Hockey. Well, joining us now is Amy Dorimple, Head of the Policy at the Charity Alzheimer's Scotland. A very good morning, Amy. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for, for joining us. Does the, 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 I'm looking at these figures I was talking about earlier on throughout Scotland. They, they, they seem varying as to uh, the help, depending where you are, very much in that, hate that saying, but it's like, postcode lottery. Um, what, do you, what does Alzheimer's Scotland feel the situation is at the moment? Are people getting the help that they need and they are, are due to get? We know that there's been a lot of progress over, over the last 10 years, as the Scottish Government pointed out. But we're really disappointed that this progress hasn't been faster and that more people aren't getting the support they need following a diagnosis with dementia. It absolutely varies. Dementia is a really individual illness, but everybody needs some support after their diagnosis to make sure that they can put in place their plans for the future and that they can come to terms with and understand their illness and that they can relate it to the life that they have at the moment and make sure that they can continue to live life as normally as possible going forward. We were listening there to to Louise, who who feels, and and she says she just wants to do the best for her gran. And I would imagine that would be the reaction from the majority of people if a member of the family has been diagnosed with dementia. They want to do the best they can. Absolutely, they do. And it's a condition that, um, you know, affects families and and those who, who care for somebody with dementia as well as the person who has it. It has an impact on family life. Um, so the support's needed for, um, for carers, for, for, for families as well. But it really needs to be centred around what that person with dementia wants and what they need 
and thinking about what they'll want and need going forward, what their wishes and needs will be going forward. It's about their rights. It's about the rights of the person who has a diagnosis and their right to be supported as well as possible. But it's also about making sure that if if you plan, it actually ends up, you know, kind of making things easier going forward, not just easier for the person and their family, but actually also easier for the healthcare and social care systems around it if things are planned rather than waiting until somebody gets into crisis and then having to put something in place to solve that crisis. So post-diagnostic support, support following a diagnosis can really help with that. And, and whose role is that? It's the role of now the health and social care partnerships, these new integrated joint boards that have been in place since 2014. It's their role to make sure that they invest properly in the provision of that post-diagnostic support. Um, it's, it, there's a Scottish government um, local delivery plan standard, they call it now, used to be the HEAC target, um, to make sure that everybody in Scotland who gets a diagnosis of dementia gets at least a year's post-diagnostic support, and it needs to be tailored to their individual needs, personalised, um, but it's up to the health and social care partnerships to make sure that they're investing properly in post-diagnostic support provision so that people are getting the support they need. Um, and as I say, for them, they need to think about it as an investment for the future so that they're preventing crisis later on. Mm. If you can just bear with me, Amy, for a moment, because uh, calling in is John, and he's a dementia carer. What exactly does that mean, John? Good morning. Yeah, morning. Part of your, or most of your job is carer going from home to home uh, dealing with dementia. And it can vary, you know, from someone forgetting five minutes to forgetting what they've done. Uh, so you're dealing with a, a range of things, but I think what a lot of people forget is that, that person was intelligent. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, at one point, you know, there were good computers, or you know, there were, you know, they were very intelligent person, and it's just something that's took over. I think as far as family is concerned as well, John, it must be devastating to see someone like that, who they know, who they, you know, maybe a a family member, a mum, a dad, a gran or whatever, an auntie, who, just as you say, was, um, you know, totally in touch with the world and and, uh, very much into, you know, computers or whatever. And then just to slowly, it's like the brain dying away, isn't it? Well, that's it. You've got to go by the moment they're in. Now, if they're in 1962, when you go in, you go in 1962. Uh, they, they just go back to where they were, you know. What more, uh, could, what more could we be doing, John? Just more support. More support and more support from the government and the councils because literally care at the moment is on its knees begging for help. Because we are stretched to capacity, literally capacity. You know, I, I get a, an hour's break today. I'm, I'm good. How many people? How many people will you see in your shift today? Eight, maybe nine. Amy, that's not spending a lot of time with people, is it? 
eight or nine in a day. He's, he's rushing through it. Is there something that Alzheimer's Scotland, is that something that you're calling for, for, for more funds to, to help people like John who are, who are in that situation? I mean, yeah, care needs to be in, you know, needs to be able to be responsive to the individual. And when, you know, kind of, when you're timed, when you're rushing from appointment to appointment, it's very difficult for, you know, kind of whether, whether it's somebody like John or uh, a post-diagnostic support link worker um, or, or whoever it is to be able to um, really respond to the needs of the individual. Alzheimer's Scotland, through our fundraised income, we have a network of dementia advisors all over Scotland. Um, but they're there to, you know, kind of to, to really advise, to signpost to the services that are available. But what we find is that those services are really, in many areas, very, very stretched. But it's why it's so important to, if, if you can, put in place the measures that enable somebody to remain connected into their community and live as independently as possible. As somebody's dementia progresses, that isn't as possible, and they do need more and more support. But if they're diagnosed early on, then you can continue that independence for longer and somebody needs a bit less support. It's why it really makes sense to invest in that early support. Mm. Um, and then it means that as people need more support going on, you can put in place plans and you know how, you know, kind of a health and social care partnership knows how much money they're going to need to spend a, a lot better to make sure that people do have the support they need um, all through their dementia as it progresses. Amy, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Amy Dorimple. Head of Policy at the charity Alzheimer's Scotland and also thanks to John, a dementia carer, on the way to his next call when he lifted the phone and, and gave us a call there. So what is your experience of it? Treble 3 2020 401 if you'd like to uh, tell us. Tell us, are you getting the support that Amy says everybody should be getting? Um, or, you know, is, is it something that where you live um, with that postcode lottery, you're not getting as much as you think you should be, or indeed uh, the government says you should be. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. A lot of comments this morning, as you could imagine, regarding uh, the uh, young lady from Syria, where we've been asking if you would allow her to come back into this country. It's been a lot of publicity over that, to the British teenager who went to join Islamic State in Syria. Of course, would you welcome her home? Lots of comments coming on the social media. Uh, thank you very much indeed for them. We're going to round some of them up uh, um, uh, before the end of the programme. So um, taking note of all your comments, there are loads of them coming in, which is uh, great. Thank you for taking the time to do that, whether it be on Twitter, on text or on email. As I say, quite a few. So we'll, we'll come back to that uh, in, uh, before the end of the programme at the top of the hour. Um, I'd also like some thoughts here because it's, it's something that we, it's creeped up on us, if you like. And I'm talking about um, 20s plenty. But when the signs go up and they decide 20 is plenty in an area, what is done to slow people down? Putting a sign up saying 20s plenty is surely not enough. Traffic calming, it's on a lot of people's minds this weekend after the tragic death of a schoolgirl in Motherwell a few days ago. 12-year-old Abby McLaren was hit by a car on the loaning on Tuesday afternoon. 
A 38-year-old man was arrested in connection with Abby's death and has been remanded in custody, charged with motoring offences. More than 10,000 people have signed a petition calling for speed bumps and camera action to control traffic on that particular stretch of road. Think about that. 10,000 people. It's already a 20-mile-per-hour zone. But this man who lives there told our reporter, reporter Natalie Crawford it doesn't work. I've questioned the, the people who arrived, the police, and said, what does it take for something to happen here and get this traffic sorted? Does it take someone to be killed, God forbid? And here we are. Every day on this road knows it. So you mentioned accidents outside your house. Can you kind of describe the things that have happened? It's speed. Speed on the, the main road coming down here. Occasionally, people don't see the junction, but it's speed coming along the loaning, predominantly. Uh, I, uh, ask everyone, they'll tell you. I've had cars in my garden. I've got a new front wall. But it's, it's, it's atrocious. It really is atrocious. So you'd definitely be in favour of traffic calming measures then? There's only one thing to do. Uh, traffic calming can cause a problem. I've, I've seen this. Uh, we go skiing quite a bit. And uh, you go through villages in predominantly Italy where people are travelling far too fast. And what they do is uh, they'll pick you up about three quarters of a mile away. They'll pick up your speed. And the speed can be set to 30 miles an hour. Whatever it's set at, if you are one mile over it, the, the traffic lights turn to red and everybody gets livid because you're holding up everyone else because you are not prepared to stick to the speed. So flippant to say it, it's, it's everybody here knows it. It's an accident waiting to happen. It's supposed to be 20 miles an hour here, 20 plenty. If you see a car doing 20, it's a one-off. 30, 40, 50. And late in the evening, kids coming along 60, 70 miles an hour. You just zoom past. It's, it's poor, poor, poor. And it's sad that it's going to take this to, to change it. The Green MSP Mark Ruskell is putting a bill through the Scottish Parliament which would turn every 30-mile-per-hour zone into a 20-mile-per-hour zone. Do you think that's a waste of time? Some people dismiss speed cameras as a futile money-making scheme. We also hear arguments that slowing down traffic flow puts emissions up. In Glasgow this week, the City Council announced it's going to create car-free zones around seven primary schools in the West End. They say it will fix problems including dangerous driving, bad parking and air pollution. So what's your thoughts on road safety? Banning cars from primary schools? Is that really going to help? Bringing a speed limit down to speed limit sign to 20 miles per hour? How is that going to help when it's not being enforced? What are your thoughts on that? You maybe live in an area that is already... 20s plenty. Is it working where you are? Do people pay any attention to it whatsoever? Let me know. It's 033-2020-401. Coming up next on Scotland's Talkin'. Any other business? The lines are there also for anything else you would like to talk about in the last 15 minutes of the programme. Give us a call now. 033-2020-401. Scotland's Talkin'. The podcast. 
Back on the phone lines, it's quarter to 12. Uh, Stephen, what's your thoughts then on what subject do you want to talk about? I think he's a bit, a bit, a bit harsh, Ali. And that poor young man in that way. Because if you look back in history, the royal family, you can say he's been a German, because I thought the Germans were going to win. Stephen, we've, Stephen, we've not got oh, a, we're not got a very good telephone line. You're you're just coming yeah, and they, going. So um, yeah, right, we got you. Yeah, yeah, right. On yeah. you go. But they went back in history, Ali. Folk sided with the Germans for this country. They thought the Germans were going to win. The Germans didn't win. Then they broke. Their arms were opened and they brought some of the royal family back in here. The name Mandela Square or streets, city of Glasgow. The man's a terrorist. You go to Northern Ireland under the peace deal there. All oh, these folk are like with that maze prison. I live in the New Shores. There's over 100,000 illegal immigrants in this country. And we're growing up with this BLS at 15 year old. And the security forces here, they can monitor, monitor. They can a, child, a child protection order on that child. She's 19, so she's not a child now. No, I'm talking about she has a baby. I'm not talking about her, are When she has that child... She has had that. She, according to reports this morning, whilst we've been on air, she has had that child. Well, well it's even better, Bill. Bring them in. She's got a British passport. No fault of her own. Bring her in. And put a child protection order on the alley. And monitor her. This whole country. I've listened to folk about the on about soldiers and the wars. And I've, I've listened to other sides. But we're supposed to be a humane nation, alley. And and we're going to get. Go down that route, the barbaric route, ban them and leave them in that country. Huh? No, I think you should just leave her alone. Bring her in here. She, I think she was naive, Ali. I don't think you should be going on and just uh, just rattling around just to keep her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your folk come over. There's the folk in foreign governments that come in here and go to Westminster, they go to Buckingham Palace, and their countries are, are, are tyrants. I would say some of these leaders. Yep. To go to these airports and welcome in here, Ali. I don't understand. I just don't know where the people of this country's coming to. You think you're in the history of it? Okay, Stephen. There you are. There's Stephen's view. He says, let her in. Okay. Um, got some more comments on coming on that in a few moments. I'm just going back to, we were talking about speed limits there. And uh, I, I got a text in here that says, Ali, in these days of advanced technology, it can't be impossible to place speed restrictors in vehicles that automatically cut the speed to the required limits. Well, some trucks already do that, don't you? That you see on the back of them, limited to 50 miles an hour or 60 miles per hour. And, and quite a lot of new cars with advanced technology, they actually have, as you go from, let's say, a 50 to a 40, it comes flashing up on the dashboard, uh, the actual speed limit that you're going into. So surely at that point, uh, I would agree with you, the car could cut in, um, particularly when they're 20s. You know, it's 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 that bit that I, I just see the councils rushing here to to put in 20s plenty. And, and I agree. I know some areas myself. I sit and watch them every day where I live. That it's supposed to be 30, but it's taken us, you know, some of them think they're on a racing track. But bringing it down to 20, who would monitor it and who would do anything about it? You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Jane, hello there. How are you? 
Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Good. You uh, want to talk funny, about speeding? Yes. Funny you should bring that up today. I was going to phone the council and say I could save them thousands of pounds by putting up speed limit because nobody nobody keeps to them. Nobody uh, goes with it at all. Well, I wouldn't, no, say, nobody no, goes, I wouldn't say nobody goes with it. Well, very right. few. Very right. few. I mean, on the bridge, it's 50. They're battering past you. Lochie Road, doesn't matter where you drive. They probably think I'm a silly old woman keeping in the speed limit. But I just, nobody, very few drivers keep to a speed limit nowadays. Mm. It's, it's certainly within um, residential areas. I think there's a major problem in the. Oh, yeah. We, we and I couldn't agree more. I could agree with your last caller who said, with technology, cars, surely. Surely, I know flashing lights and everything doesn't work. Surely they've put something on them that they just reduce the speed. It just comes down to what it should be. The problem is that cars are made for different countries, aren't they? Mm, and and you yeah. know, there's different speeds in different countries and mm-hmm. some countries on their autobahns have no speed restrictions at all. Um, oh, so, yeah. you know, but um, mm-hmm. it, but the council the could save thousands, don't put up signs, just let them drive like maniacs. Okay, Jane, thank you very much indeed. Just let them drive like maniacs. But what happens when there are injuries? That That is the problem. But uh, it's one that I'm sure we'll be debating uh, in another week. This week has certainly been uh, all about the, the British teenager who I've asked the question, who went to join Islamic State in Syria. Uh, would you let her come home? And uh, loads of comments today on social media, keeping an eye on social media and also answering your calls has been calm today. Good morning. Morning. Busy? Yeah, really busy really today. Really busy. Right, okay. You, we're going to take some turn and read some ones. You want to do a, a traffic one first? Yeah, traffic. So Lynn Comet is saying maybe screens with images of the children at the roadside to kind of remind drivers not to speed. So that was one of them that come in on Twitter for that one. Right. And the rest were on Syria. Okay, Doug Smart says uh, on the um, text here, in a word regarding Syria, her coming back in, no, big N-O-O-O. Uh, Ali says, absolutely not. This girl was 15 years old when she made her decision to run away to be a Hadi bride. At that age, she was more than mature enough to understand her decision and her action. The UK government has a duty to protect the citizens in the UK and should not be helped or allowed back. She should not be helped or allowed back into the UK. After all, they did at the time strip her of her citizenship. She is no longer the UK's problem. Uh, Billy on Twitter said she should be allowed back in and made to suffer for it. Ronnie said, irrespective of people's views, she's a British citizen, so she's entitled to return whether we like it or not. And David said, no, she's made her bed and now she should be left to lie in it. Okay, I've got Peter here who says uh, 100% no, leave her where she is. David says she should never be allowed back into this country End of story. And Peril says, at 15 years, she left her family devastated and sick with worry and did not care. She is now a Hadie and we can never feel safe with her in the UK. She should never get back. She made her choice and must live with it. So there we are. There's just a few of them. And another one from Diane saying, I totally agree with that comment as well. And uh, Linda saying, no, she's made her choice. Uh, Ross Greer, who is the MSP um, you take her. 
uh, he was on earlier. And there's another comment uh, regarding Ross up on the text. It says, Ross Greer is an embarrassment to the people of Scotland, well out of touch, an MP uh, who does what he wants, not what his constituency wants. An overwhelming um, people, majority of people don't want that girl back in the UK, typical Green Party. And that's where we'll leave it on Scotland's talk-in today. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your company. If you missed any of the programme, it is, of course, up on the podcast uh, a little later on this afternoon. You want to catch up on any of it.